This is episode 466 of the AWS podcast, released on August 15, 2021. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Sam Lish here with you. Great to have you back, and I'm joined by a special guest. I'm joined by Andrew Blackham, who is a product manager for AWS Organizations. Welcome to the podcast, Andrew. Happy to be here. Love talking about this stuff. Yeah, follow good. Follow you and the viewers. Good to have you here. We, uh, we're talking about something that really I think every AWS user should know about, and, and many may be deeply invested, which is uh, a service called AWS Organizations. And it's, it's something that, you know, didn't exist at the start of, of AWS. You know, we had the concept of an account and then we may set up multiple accounts, but over time things got bigger. So, uh, so maybe let's, let's talk a bit about organizations and why it's become prevalent and what it is and where it fits. Yeah, so I, I think the history of AWS organizations as you were talking about, you know, as, essentially as the cloud, as people are scaling on the cloud, they have needs for additional resources and they start to hit certain limitations and, and being able to launch multiple instances across multiple accounts gives them a lot more scalability. But then there's a question about, okay, is a, you have multiple accounts, what's an easy way to be able to charge for all these different accounts? And a lot of uh, you know customers, there's a con- the concept of consolidated billing way back in the day where they could get you know, a single bill for all these different accounts. Then ultimately, there's a lot more use cases for not just like a billing aspect, but you know being able to manage the cloud environment across multiple accounts. And so AWS Organizations is now about three, four years old, uh, but the concept behind AWS Organizations is something that is in customers' minds. So how are you able to manage and manage your cloud environment as it's scaling? Uh, cloud gives you a lot of flexibility to be able to scale resources as you, as you need it. But as you start to operate in, in, in a much bigger cloud environment, the ability to you know, maintain certain controls while maintaining speed, uh, that, that becomes a bit of a trade-off. And so organizations, especially if you look at it nowadays, there's multiple different features and services that are available that allow you to manage that scale. And they're all centrally managed through AWS organizations, essentially. And it's interesting how it's become such a fundamental part of, uh, of what customers do. And if we look at things like, um, you know, the security well-architected guidance, um, it's like, it's right up there. Uh, and, and also things that people need to, to pay attention to in the, uh, the 2020 reInvent uh, security keynote, it was called out as well. So it's clearly something that we, we almost need to start with if we're planning a new environment. Yeah, absolutely. We talk about security being one of the most important aspects of the cloud. And even when we talk to customers or when customers become familiar with AWS for the first time, we have this concept of you know, AWS manages security of the cloud and customers manage security in the cloud, right? And so the customer's responsibility is to uh, maintain the security of the resources that they're utilizing within the cloud. And AWS organizations comes up in, in this discussion at that point because as we were talking about, it, it allows customers to scale across accounts within the cloud. And being able to manage that centrally and define central security standards, for example, is an important part of the cloud environment, especially for enterprise customers. Where they have very clear defined security standards. And so being able to operate uh, within AWS organizations, create an organization, you know, create multiple accounts and have central security standards across all of them, that's essential for being able to, to scale uh, allowing your developers to to do what they do and scale with additional resources while ensuring that that central security is in place. So let's let's talk about that account structure. So let's assume we're in a, a, a company, large or small, we may have a couple of accounts, we may have thousands of accounts. 
paint us a, a mental picture of of what that hierarchy or structure might look like within organizations and how customers can think about that. Yeah, I think we need to discuss the concept of an account because uh, outside of AWS or even as customers are getting familiar with it, they might not understand the concept of an account, right? You have an email account, which is assigned to a user or users have specific accounts. Uh, But in AWS, uh, you have users that are sort of separate from the accounts, right? You create users that operate within each account. And so we see account as more of a, a, a bucket of resources, right? It's 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 a resource container. That, that, that's what we call it. And, and so essentially, as a resource container, you have multiple different resources within this account for a specific purpose. And being able to operate across accounts this way is really important. So first of all, like, why would you need more than one account, right? Uh, it allows multiple teams to do multiple different things. If you need an account that's uh, only for HIPAA certified workloads, for example, you can create a new account and make sure that how you're operating within that account is all within uh, HIPAA certification requirements. Uh, It allows you to assign charges to specific accounts. You can simplify your billing structure, being able to identify which charges are going to which accounts. Each account itself is, is a security mechanism. You know, you cannot operate within separate accounts by the nature of creating new accounts, like they, they sort of create walls. And so if you happen to have any potential issue with an account in your AWS environment, it doesn't leak into other accounts. It, it doesn't go across your cloud environment. Like it, it, it sits there, it's isolation. Uh, and then generally business processes, as you have new businesses that get kicked off or, or new ideas that come out, you can create new accounts to manage those resources for, for that business or for that application. And so it's a really great scaling mechanism uh, with security boundaries built in. And so to answer your initial question, like what is an what does an organization look like? So an organization is essentially you've got a the root of an organization, which is essentially a, a boundary that identifies what accounts are within it. You have a management account, and a management account is used to administer the organization. Uh, so as you need new accounts, it can create new accounts for you. As you need to assign tasks or resources to certain accounts, you can do that within the management account. Um, as you need to assign policies, which we'll get into a little bit later, you do that from the management account as well. So it's sort of an administration account for your organization. Mm-hmm. And then you've also got organizational units, which are essentially a, a container for your accounts. You can categorize your accounts by you know, security or or workloads, or you can have a sandbox organizational unit where you put all of your developer sandbox accounts in. And so a basic organization is your root, the client's org, your management account, managing the organization. And then you typically have a few organizational units, one devoted infrastructure, one devoted security, one devoted to workloads, and then one for sandbox. And you can do multiple, you can do multiple beyond that, but that's sort of the, the root organization that we typically see with customers. So, so that's kind of a, a good high level view of that, that account structure. But let's get back to, you know, given that we know now a bit more about AWS organizations, in, in the security keynote we mentioned it was the number one recommendation. Why is it something that, that comes in at number one? Yeah, so I, I think the first benefit that we've discussed, it, it allows you to create new accounts quickly. Uh, so it allows you to adopt this multi-account model, which we suggest is, is a security best practice, you know, creating those boundaries or those separations between separate workloads. We've also talked about like the organizational unit being able to categorize accounts, but it's not just a categorization feature. You can define different standards at the OU level 
and create different uh, environments for the different, you can create different environments for the different OUs, essentially providing customized environments for the different teams that work on different things within the organization. I think that's a, a really uh, interesting, I was just going to say, I think that's a really interesting point because, yeah. you know, one of the things that we often talk about in, in, in the use of cloud is that different teams have different needs. You know, some, some teams are doing R and D and they want to go super fast and, and, and some of the work they're doing you know, may never be in production, for example, but it's all about moving quickly. Others need a very sort of robust control mechanism because of compliance requirements. And then there's, there's everything in between. And it feels like this is really helping us get some some guardrails in place, so that you're you're giving kind of like almost like multiple personalities available to the teams in a in an organization, so they can operate safely but as fast as they need to. Would that be a fair way to characterize it? Yeah, that's that's a really good way of categorizing it. As we've talked about, like you know, enterprise customers, they have those central uh, policies and standards in place, and they want them operating across multiple accounts. But in a perfect example, if you were to talk about like workload production accounts, you may have one that's production ready and you want to make sure that you know not a, not a lot of changes are made there without your knowledge. But you can also create a separate organizational unit that has a development environment. And there's a little more freedom there to be able to test things out and ensure that they're working correctly before they're pushed to production, right? And so being able to create those customized, essentially, environments for all these different teams is one of those ways in which it allows them to, to scale. It allows the teams to do what they do and do what they do best uh, without having to you know, constantly check and go back and check because you put these standards, these central standards in place. And so, so those, those central standards, I think, are, are, are important. Do you see some common patterns or things that, that just come up over and over about what, uh, what people are using? Yeah, like a really good example. So. These central policies, we call them service control policies. So they're the policies that are, uh, you can create them in the management account. You can apply them to your whole organization, apply them to the different OUs as we've been talking about, or you can even apply them to, to specific accounts. And so a good example of this is, let's say you have a division of your, your company that operates in a specific country. And in the country, they have regulations such that all of the information or data needs to be hosted within the country itself. You can create a policy and apply it to that to those accounts, you know, in an organizational unit or directly to the accounts that does not allow users in those accounts to spin up new resources that are not within those specific countries. Uh, so it's a it's a region-based uh, service control policy essentially. So that that's a good example that that we've seen a lot from customers. Uh, you can limit actions that that people can take within the organization. So another good example for say customer data. Let's say that you host customer data in a specific account and you've created a bucket policy and the bucket policy says, you know, this will never be external. No one, no one externally should be able to see this information. It, it's just for our usage. You can set up that policy and then you can put a service control policy on that account that says no one can make a change to that setting. Mm. Like this data should not be external. Users are not able to make a change to that setting. And so even if there were a case where like an, a user had administrative privileges in that account and they tried to make that setting to make that bucket public, the service control policy would not allow them to do that. And so, again, it's another way that you can easily apply a policy. It ensures that, the, that no changes are made. And even if there's a situation where someone happens to get in or some user happens to get admin privileges, they still aren't able to make those changes because the service control policy applies. 
Yeah, it's like the the ultimate application of the of the policy because because uh, often people operating in an account may think they're doing the right thing, uh, but maybe they're transgressing a, a policy that they just weren't aware of. So this provides not just good intentions, but a, a proper mechanism to to protect you from doing that. Right, and I think that's a really obviously serious application. On the other hand, like like I mentioned, you can have an environment like a sandbox that we recommend where that is the place for people to test out. There are not many policies there. You obviously want to pay attention to some of the costs that are being drummed up in that organizational unit. But at the same time, like that allows them the freedom to learn and to do things and to potentially obviously move fast and break things. But you obviously don't want them doing that in a production environment. And so you put policies in place that prevent that type of behavior. And so we've been talking about multiple accounts and and operating across different accounts for different purposes, but it's pretty common for people not to just kind of live in one account. They may just to, to cover many different accounts in their organization. Um, does that mean I'm, I'm logging out, logging in, logging out, logging in all the time? What's, what's the user experience like? Yeah, so that was one of the early things that when AWS Organizations was created, that was one of the considerations uh, because accounts are boundaries and they're, they're built that way for a specific security purpose, right? But at the same time, when you're operating in an enterprise environment, it's very likely that you are operating across multiple accounts or you're creating multiple accounts and an application might have one, two, three, or even more. And so toward the beginning, AWS single sign-on was created and it's integrated with AWS organizations. And it's a really easy way for you to centrally manage user access to different accounts. So when you create your organization, you can set up SSO for the first time and it recognizes the accounts in your organizations. And then you can even identify you know, your existing cloud-based directory or add a new one. So you can take your directory from, say, Okta or Active Directory or something like that, and you, it, it allows you to identify the users that are going to operate in your cloud environments, and then you can create permissions such that they can have access to all the accounts or custom permissions based on their role. And then as new accounts are added to, to your environment, they can automatically get access to those accounts, or again, you can customize which ones they get access to or not. So it's a really easy way for them to be able to access and move across the different accounts for different purposes. And SSO provides them and gives them those permissions to do so in a simple and easy way. That sounds good. <laughs> Not logging in and out all the time sounds very good to me. And, and, and talking about scale, you know, if, 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 if customers are just, you know, can create multiple accounts, how do they look after the efficiency of the work that they're doing rather than just the scalability? When it comes to operating across multiple accounts, like AWS has a lot of services that are built with that purpose in mind, and many of them are integrated with AWS organizations. And we actually do a lot of work to ensure that the services that exist that are, are meant to, to manage and govern the environment, we ensure that it's it's a seamless experience when customers are managing it across accounts through their AWS organization. So going back to security, as, as we've been talking about in this in this podcast thus far, Security services at AWS, such as AWS Guard Duty, they allow you to monitor your environment for threats, right? Or Identity Access Manager as a tool access analyzer that allows you to identify any of your data that may have external access inadvertently or, or on purpose. And so these two services, you can activate them at the organizational level, and then it turns on the services across all of the accounts. And then as we were talking about before, you can even delegate the responsibility for these services to your security team. So if you have a security team, they you want to give them specific accounts to manage across the organization, you can give them responsibility to manage these services on behalf of your organization. 
And so Security Hub is another good example. Um, Macy, Amazon Macy is another good example. All of these security services are built to manage security within your account. But then we've worked, they have built other features that are available for AWS organizations, allowing you to have those benefits across multiple accounts and then be managed by your security team. So again, it's, it's another reason why within the past year, you've especially heard a lot about organizations because it allows these security services to operate across your accounts and you can maintain that sort of central security posture from the specific team. So, so many of our listeners would have heard about sort of other cross-account or multi-account governance services like Control Tower, for example. How does this differ from Control Tower or do they work together? Yeah, Control Tower works on top of a bunch of other AWS services. So, for example, AWS organizations fundamentally allows you to build an organization, right? Create accounts, create organizational units, and allows you to activate other services. Control Tower is very similar, but it automatically does a lot of these for you. So as you're building your organization for the first time, you have to think about you know, what services am I going to activate? I need to start SSO or, or I need to enable SSO and give user access to accounts. Um, I need to be able to identify any actions from all of my users and you know, I need to activate CloudTrail and do it across accounts. So these are things that you can do with organizations natively, but Control Tower does this for you automatically. So they set up a, a basic environment that you can utilize. So they create accounts for you. They activate services for you to help manage your environment. They use a simple UI within the console to allow you to start your organization essentially in a few clicks. And there's a lot of like management and governance uh, automations that they provide for customers. And so for customers who are looking to get their environment set up, it's a really good service to look into and to get familiar with and a good service to, to set up your environment. Uh, the only difference between say, organizations and control tower is control tower does a lot of these automations for you with any of these organizations you will need to go in and natively set up all of these services but it provides you you know the customization to do at that native level control tower customers can also utilize any of these organizations too now they can activate some of the supported services and things like that through their management account which is automatically set up for them when they activate control tower so it's not so much a choice as a kind of level of abstraction or way of getting going. And you can you can still get deep into the guts of the service if you want to, to build something really specific for yourself, or you can just get up and running fast. Absolutely. Exactly. And what about if, if I'm a listener, I've got my AWS account and it's just a single account at the moment, because that's sort of how, how I set it up. How would I get started using organizations? The easiest way to get started with organizations or the way that we would recommend getting started Let's assume that you've learned about and gotten a little bit familiar with this. It requires a little bit of thought before you are about to build your production grade enterprise cloud environment. But creating the organization is really easy. You essentially, within an account, can go in, click on a button that says create my organization, and you do it. But what you want to make sure you do is create a separate account. If, if you have workloads running in your AWS account, you want to ensure that the management account that you that will administer your organization you want to make sure that there aren't any workloads in that account. So essentially, you should first create a new AWS account and then create an organization within that new account. And then you can invite or you can start to create new accounts from there. So that way you have a clear management account that doesn't have any, any workloads in it and that will administer your organization. So from that point, you've created your organization, you've invited accounts, or we suggest that you create multiple accounts and so a, a basic organization structure that we've talked about is creating a security OU for security team, 
infrastructure to manage some of those shared services or infrastructure needs. Create your sandbox environment for your testing and then create a workloads organizational unit to host the accounts that will host all of your workloads. You can even create a nested OU or sort of a sub OU that separates your development from your production environment. At that point, we'd probably recommend you activating AWS SSO to be able to provide access to all these multiple accounts. And at that point, we'd also recommend that you activate CloudTrail. If you activate CloudTrail at the organization level, all of the actions that your customers take will be logged and there's no way for them to turn it off. And it's, a, again, a really good way to maintain central security. And so that, that's sort of how you get started. You, you create your accounts and your structure and you can start to activate these services and, and see how they help you to manage your cloud environment in, in a scalable way. And the nice thing is, I guess, if you've got that existing single account, you don't have to do a sort of full migration up front. You can gradually uh, flesh out your structure to, to build for the future rather than having to kind of start from scratch. Yeah, that's one of the things that as customers are doing migrations, especially your enterprise customers, they might have a large cloud presence already. Uh, that's one of the considerations is, is they're moving to you know, either within AWS or to AWS as well, is they take the time to consider what does my organization look like? What is my account structure going to look like? The policies that are going to be put in place, and they can build a lot of that beforehand. So the, when the migrations happen, you know, it's an easy and predictable way to do it. Everything goes in the right place, and it allows them to again have a scalable environment to start with. So it sounds like it, it, this is really something that uh, if you're not familiar with organizations, you should be, and if you're you're building something new or even you've got something existing, you should be applying organizations to it. Absolutely. Uh, there was a white paper that was published in the last couple of weeks that talks about creating your multi-account structure. I highly recommend taking a look at it. There's a lot of details there, um, but it's also very clear for customers. It is one of those essential things that if you're in AWS, if you want to scale your cloud environment, especially if you're a small business and you're just getting started or a startup, uh, being able to set the foundation in place will pay dividends for years to come. We hear so much from customers how much they love the uh, the central management love mm. the the power and the simplicity of organizations you know they they're they're always looking for these things that we're able to provide to them in terms of the central auditing being able to view everything it's a, it's a tool that customers really understand the power of it's a tool that you know multiple different layers of people working in the cloud environment they recognize that organizations really gives them that scalability power and allows them to, again, operate and move fast, but without sacrificing any limitations when it comes to... Yeah, to control and to, to auditing, et cetera. It's that, it's that classic, it's that classic uh, compromise, if you like, of, of speed and flexibility, but security and, and compliance. And uh, I think, I think uh, organizations is a big, a big part of creating those guardrails so that we can go as fast as we decide we want to go versus uh, as fast as the technology lets us go. Absolutely. It really enables, you know, people all across the, the cloud to be able to use it to its, its fullest potential and really scale the business with that core foundation set in place because of AWS organizations. It definitely makes a difference. Hey, Andrew, thanks so much for coming on the show and uh, demystifying it for us and helping our listeners understand a bit more about how to use it. My pleasure. And thanks everyone for listening. We do love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com is the place to do it. And until next time, Keep on building.